Hi, welcome to Toxic. I'm Jason Fagoni. And I'm Cynthia Dizikas. And this week we're going to take a step back. We have been talking to you about specific stories that we've been working on around the environmental cleanups in the San Francisco Bay Area, particularly the Hunters Wine Naval Shipyard. Uh, talking about deck markers. What else have we talked about? Oh, God. RSY yards, radiological, radiological screening, screening yard yards. Two, <laughs> two, three, and four. Um, and today we thought we would just sort of pull back and talk in a, in a bigger sense about like why we are doing this at all, like what the story means, why it matters, why listeners should care, uh, and sort of what, what drew us to, to it in the first place, like why we find it interesting and have kind of become obsessed with it. Exactly. Yeah. Why should anyone care? Why should anyone care about this uh, podcast, this story, or, uh, or about you or about me? Um, so we're going to get into that after this break. Hi, we're back. So why should anyone care about this story that we're covering, Cynthia? Well, there's a lot of factors. And I guess first you want to talk about the size of the shipyard. So we're talking about when we say why this matters, what this is, first of all. It's the basically it's the development of the Hunters Point Naval Shipyard, which is in the southeast corner of San Francisco, but it happens to be on five hundred acres of undeveloped land. And this was a huge industry for for many yeah. decades, right? It's right. a source of uh, tens of thousands of jobs in the area, major economic driver, and um, and pulled people to this region. People moved here to work specifically at the shipyard. You know, during World War II, uh, San Francisco was a major sort of naval uh, center of activity, right? It, was, it wasn't just the Hunters Point. And atomic shipyard. research. Yeah. I mean, it was the center for a while. Right. The Naval Radiological uh, Laboratory was, right. was stationed there. So... It's 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 500 acres of developable land in a developable develop, I don't know, developable. I was say, it's really undeveloped. Right <laughs> undeveloped now. right now. Yeah. Um, so, fi- but 500 hundred acres that could be developed, you could build homes there, businesses. You right. could have entirely new neighborhoods. You know, San Francisco. There's not a lot of space to begin with, right? Right. And one of the most expensive housing markets in the country, right. as. Most people know. I don't think we need to tell anybody how messed up the housing market is here, right? Like everybody, everybody, we're all living this. It's a subject for another podcast. (laughs) Um, But the housing market is is not great here. It's it's very uh, one of the least affordable big cities to live in. And um, and so we're just talking about a lot of uh, sort of empty land right here, a big big piece of empty land that could be developed, could contribute to tax base. If you include Treasure Island, which is another former Navy base that right, decommissioned, right. that's another 400 acres. So you're you're getting up up to almost the size of Golden Gate Park at that point. Golden Gate Park is about a thousand acres. So the Hunters Point Shipyard, Treasure Island, almost equals size uh, land area of Golden Gate Park. So it's just a lot of a lot of land just kind of sitting there. and a lot of potential. And it's right. like potential that mayors upon mayors have seen sitting there. Yeah, generations. For a long time. And a lot of money to be made. Right? Potential for housing and for money. <laughs> okay. uh, you know, another reason this story is important is because the stuff that is there, these radioactive substances, last for a really long time, right? So radium-226 has a half-life of 1,600 years. Thousands, so thousands of years, uh, any sort of... Uh, fleck of radium that exists in the shipyard is still going to be emitting radiation, you know, thousand years from now or more. 
uh, plutonium, which, you know, we have reason to believe exists in the shipyard. Uh, there were these two plutonium bombs that were exploded in 1946, contaminated a bunch of Navy ships that were then brought to Hunter's Point to be decontaminated. Plutonium-239, the uh, half-life is 24,000 years. So so basically, longer than any human lifespan, this stuff is going to be around. And it doesn't just disappear. You actually have to go in, measure it, find it, remove it, and deal with it, or else it's going to be there for generations and generations, right? Yeah, and then the effects of it. I mean, this is, so it's not only stuff that lasts forever, right, basically. In, in, in human terms, it lasts forever, right? Um, but it's really dangerous, and it actually has an impact on people who are exposed. Um, there's obviously direct links between exposure to radioactivity and cancer, and so there's a huge health component to this. So you've got this incredible potential, and like if you could only just start developing this land, but then an incredible amount of risk if right. the cleanup isn't done right. And this isn't our opinion that it's that it, it poses a potential threat. Right. right. This is the, this is the entire premise of the Navy's you know, a cleanup effort and the EPA cleanup effort. I mean, this at, is what Superfund is about. This is what Superfund is about, right. right? It's not usually stated very, this directly, but Superfund cleanups are about uh, limiting the risk that people who live or work on the land in the future will get cancer from from whatever remains there. Right, right. and exactly. And so, so those elements in and of themselves make this a very newsworthy story in, in San Francisco and really beyond. But then... You add into this the exact like location of this site, and I mean, and the community around it, and the history there. Bayview Hunters Point, right? Uh, historically, an industrial, uh, mostly African American community. Um, historically, one of the most disenfranchised in the city. Uh, people there have have for years been raising concerns about air quality, pollution, and uh, San Francisco Health Department studies have found that there are higher than normal incidences of asthma and, and cancer, heart disease in Bayview, uh, Hunters Point residents. You have um, 22% poverty rate, 14% unemployment rate in Bayview. You have a lot of brownfield sites, the most in San Francisco. Um, and you have a lot of industrial zoning. So 38% of land in Bayview, uh, Hunters Point is zoned as industrial compared to 7% in the rest of the county. Um, so so it's, it's a community that has really been underinvested um, and and is uh, is right next to you know the shipyard, which has unknown quantities really of of hazardous substances still, and has really now I mean run into these huge problems with the cleanup. And so the questions that have you know been raised by people living in the community, by experts, by anyone watching this, is what type of environmental racism is at play here? You know why can't this be done right? And um, and that makes it even more important, I think, to tell, you know, for this newspaper and for the other organizations that and are covering it. When you go back it. and you look at a lot of the stories that have been written in sort of Bayview newspapers, they, they were much more prescient about the the cleanup than a lot of the mainstream media here, I think. Mm-hmm. Like if you go back and read in the Bayview, they were, they were writing about this stuff right. like way earlier than we were, really. Right. Um, so the the other thing that draws us, I think, is uh, is the the issue of Superfund cleanup is kind of a kind of a a, a cool one for a reporter. Right, uh, we were talking about this. Yeah, we were talking before. about this earlier, yeah. trying to figure out exactly why why it's why it's an interesting thing for a reporter to cover. But um, where did we land? So Superfund cleanup is the kind of thing that 
Um, it's fairly complicated. It's not easy to do. It costs a lot of money, but it really has to be done well. And um, you really want your government to be doing it competently. Like you, you even if you hate government, even if you want the absolute minimal government, um, you probably want one of the things that they're doing to be cleaning up toxic waste sites, right? Right. The whole Superfund program, when it got started, was was with that in mind. So you've got these sites that have been polluted by private industry and in the case of the shipyard by the Navy, so by government. And, and then you set up the EPA as the agency that is going to oversee these cleanups to make sure they're done right. And I think one of the fundamental probably um, – points of that was you're not just going to have the entity that polluted the site cleaning it up and saying, okay, everything's okay. It's right. an extra check, right. you know, an extra assurance that when people and children move onto this site in the future, they won't be exposed to the toxic substances that were put here. So this is one of the things that you really want government to be doing well. Yeah. And so just from um, and, and so obviously there's been a lot of questions raised about whether they have done this well. Right. You so know, to, the, many to the extent that they're not doing it well, uh, that's something that you want to know about. Right. right. And, and so then obviously that makes it from a news you know, point uh, stance interesting as well. Okay. So that's why we think people should care about the story, but like, why do we, we care about do we the care story? About, like, For a lot why, of those reasons. Why do we enjoy working on it? Like when we, when we get to work? Well, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned some of the, um, one of the things I think we realize. so we're both relatively new to San Francisco and to the paper. And, um, and this is clearly- when did you move here? How many years ago? Um, a couple years ago now, okay. like two and a half. And I moved You're here last year. You're much newer. I'm newer. <laughs> um, but I, this is clearly a story that's been going on for a really long time. And so when we got on it, we looked up clips. We looked at what had been written. You mentioned some of the really good articles that had been written. Yeah, there's been a Bayview. lot of really good reporting. Yeah. Um, but I think we recognized, especially with how quickly things were moving right now, that there needed to be sort of a more sustained scrutiny. Yeah, the cleanup is a huge enterprise. Bil- you know, more than a billion dollars I think the Navy has spent already, but that's just just a piece of it. Um, so there's somebody, it's, it's the kind of thing that's worth uh, staying on and f- like following in a, in a fairly sustained way. Right. Um, there's a lot of stuff that has been happening, uh, news that's been breaking, and um, there's a whole world of universe of documents that we've been trying to get our heads around for for months now, which is a libraries, fun, yeah, libraries, like libraries of, of documents, documents, which is a fun thing for a reporter. Where, <laughs> how many? So where have we been? We've actually been to a number of physical libraries researching the story already, right? Yeah. Like we went to the uh, National Archives in San Bruno, which has right. a lot of the old Navy files. These are like the original Navy files from the shipyard from uh, you know 60, 70 years ago, right? They, where they bring they bring out like cardboard boxes on a on a rolling cart, and you open the box, and it's like all this dust, and it's like you, you, it could be that nobody has opened that box for like forty years. That's the feeling. Yeah, with actual. Um, I mean, I think you opened a box yeah, actually, that had warnings. Yeah, it was in actually it. like a plastic so bag sorry. with like a radiation warning yes. tag in it. It's <laughs> so like okay, like just like put that find. back in a box. You know, yeah. close the lid, back on the cart, <laughs> return those, return those boxes. <laughs> um, we went to another library, right? Uh, the, we in Berkeley. We went to the Berkeley Library right. where they have some files uh, from 
from the cleanup uh, in the 1990s and 2000s. And San Francisco. And San the San Francisco's Public Library has, has an archive. And then there are a, num a number of online uh, document repositories right. where the Navy just kind of dumps all of the files that uh, that they're required to produce by law as, as part of the cleanup. They're not required to make those files legible to mere humans. So, <laughs> so a lot of what we have been doing is just sort of like paging through this stuff. But it's kind of, yeah. I don't know, it's kind of fun. Well, it's an amazing source of information. I mean, for, yeah. from a reporting perspective. And one of the things, I mean, we talked about already, Superfund sites, the public agency involvement that allows us to see and the public to see these records because they're subject to public records requests and FOIAs. And so it presents this kind of incredible reporting opportunity to be able to have access to some of these documents, the reviews of the site, the communications between officials right. about certain things. Yeah, because and, because it's covered by Superfund law, they're required to actually produce a voluminous amount of exactly. like, paper. And where they signed off on everything, like the, you know, yeah. Um, transfer and finding of suitability and what are some of the other acronyms? Oh, <laughs> right. Like the uh, record of decision right. and the uh, uh, radiation action removal completion report. Yeah, RACRs. Exactly. All of those reader friendly The FOSL, the FOST, the ROD, yeah. the RARSUSAR. But in, you <laughs> I don't know, even know how you would pronounce that one. I don't know. Yeah, but the, there's, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're infinite. Uh, and Navy has all of its own kind of jargon. Like in, in every one of these project reports, there's actually a page of acronyms in the in the right. beginning, so you can sort of make your way through. Pages. But but for but for reporters, this is I mean this is fun, right? Like this is this well, is what makes it fun. Anytime you can to... get information, yeah. I feel like, and and this is definitely a, a huge source of that in this particular story. But then there are also all of the different people who are involved in this. So you've got multiple agencies and those people working for those agencies and in different decades, right? Because it's been going on for so right. long. But then you have whistle. I mean, what's so unique about this story is that um, a lot of the problems were first pointed out by people who were actually working on the site who right. became whistleblowers. Yeah. And so you have them and the lawyers representing them right. and, um, you know, the companies who have been you know, criticized over this, and there's a uh, large cast of people. Yeah, and sort exactly. Of interests and, and you know, conflicting interests in some cases, and so just the incredible amount of people to talk to is also a really great, as you know, aspect of the reporting on this. I think. Yeah, and also just for reporters, like we really like to get documents and look at public doc. It's part of one of the core things that reporters do. Yeah, right? like and talk to people, documents and people. Yeah. Right. We've also, I feel like we've been learning about the science of radiation, which to, to me is interesting because when you start to track the source of the contamination that exists at, at these sites, you actually have to go back to the beginning, the dawn of the uh, nuclear era. You have yeah. to go all the way back to 1945, 1946, um, to the time when you know people didn't know what a nuclear bomb was and then suddenly they knew. Um, you know, the, a lot of the contamination, like we said before, at Hunters Point Shipyard was created in these two plutonium bomb explosions at Bikini Atoll in 1946. Not all of it was cre created there, but a lot of it was, and they were brought back. You know, I didn't know a lot of that history. I know. And, yeah. and the fact that, you know, to us, I've, it, it seems like it happened in an, another world. Like there was, you know, like very unrelated to ours. And right. yet 
because these things are so long lasting, it's very relevant. Yeah, I mean, it seems so like it a long time ago, 1946, but it's really in in the terms time. of yeah, yeah, in terms of the, the radioactive elements, it's not a long time at all. Because <laughs> the half lives are so long, it's like the human lifespan is basically irrelevant here, which is right. kind of cool. So it makes it almost makes. We that should r- add that neither of us were alive in nineteen. We were not alive. Then, yeah. <laughs> so there is uh, that. Um, yeah, it's almost like writing about uh, geology or astronomy in that sense, right? Yeah, like, I thought that was a great way of thinking about it. And so, yeah, I guess from a you know a professional curiosity standpoint, yeah. it's been a fascinating to learn about some of this and the history and to connect it to what's happening now and to see some similarities playing out. Yeah, I always thought one of the cool things about being a reporter is that you get to learn about different things as you go through your career, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but I had not written about this area before turning to this story. You, you, didn't, you don't have a long history of writing about Superfund cleanups? I do not. No? There are some reporters who do. So this has been you know, an incredible like learning experience from that. Um, that standpoint. Um, but I think, you know, beyond that, as reporters, you're also interested in um, what are the, you know, what are the consequences? What's at stake yeah. in whatever you're reporting on being done right or wrong? And I think in this story, there are there are huge consequences, right? Um, yeah, I feel like um, the future of this land and these communities is uh, still kind of up in the air. And um, decisions that are made now about these sites uh, could affect San Francisco for generations. Yeah, and it's, you know, been affecting them for generations yeah, as well, right? Um, so just it, it feels really meaningful to be a part of reporting on something that is impacting so significantly the community that you are reporting and we hear, we hear from people who work there, uh, have worked there, um, you know, worked there decades ago. We're starting to get some interesting feedback, I think, from people who are reading the stories and yeah. have something to say. And speaking of feedback, we would like to hear from um, you guys. I mean, this is what we find interesting about what we've um, been reporting and been looking at. But of course, we'd like to hear more about what you find, you know, interesting or, or any area you think we should focus on. So you can contact us at Toxic Podcast. DMs are open. Our emails are there too. We would love to hear from you on this and we will be back next week. See you then. Toxic is a part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Toxic and a lot of great journalism with a print or digital subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.